Welcome to the podcast for Resurrection Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. I'm Pastor Garrett Buvinghausen. Today is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. We had our regularly scheduled Bible study this morning at uh, 10 a.m., and we did a bit of a cleanup session on Ecclesiastes, some final lingering questions for anybody who had them, and uh, we discussed some just lingering questions in general with a bit of Ask the Pastor. We also um, discussed the future studies that we're going to be doing, um, listen in for what we'll be doing next, and uh, what will be on the docket and all the stuff like that for after Easter, and uh well, without further ado, here is this morning's Bible study, uh, Ecclesiastes Cleanup, and Ask the Pastor. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have m- m- mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from y- your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One God, now and forever. Amen. Now you say amen. Now you say amen. Very nicely said. He's in a hurry to get things done. Right? This seemed like a good place to put it on, then. Well, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, do, do, do any of y'all have any lingering questions from Ecclesiastes that we can just kind of touch on here? Uh, I know we didn't, if, if y'all want, we can go through that last bit, uh, the last sheet that y'all have for Ecclesiastes 12. Um, can't remember if I, I I touched on some things, but we kind of rushed. Remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, we kind of rushed uh, through it. Do y'all have any lingering questions about this? Um, Ecclesiastes twelve nine through fourteen, and then after that we can take any general questions or comments or discussion that y'all like to have on the book or whatever else. So just, just for uh, the sake of getting into it, Ecclesiastes 12, I'll read verses 9 through 14, and then we can just kind of pick up where we left off last time. Uh, and moreover, Solomon writes, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books. There is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good 
or evil. So, uh, what did we discuss last time? We said, um, we got to the point of like, what is a goad, right? Mm -hmm. A goad is like a prod, it's like a sharpened stick to get you to do things you gotta do, right? How'd you um, Pointed sayings that prod the careless to give serious thought to life and its purposes. I mean, that's, the God-given words of Ecclesiastes really make us think, right? They make us think long and hard about what it is this life is about, uh, what it is the life, life under the sun consists of, which Solomon has pointed out many times, it's vanity, it's, it's, it's breath of breaths, mere breath, you know, it's just here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. And so, with that, he says, you know, what is the conclusion? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all, right? We've talked about fear before, though. So what, what does it mean to fear God? At least, um, hmm? I asked this question, too, and it seems to me it, the upshot or the answer was to love him. Yeah. To, yeah, there's, there's this interesting relationship that we're supposed to have with God where there is a love of what he does for us, but there's also a respect that comes with it, you know, saying that he, he knows what's going on, he knows he's in control, everything is in his hands, and I trust in him for all that is good, right? And whatever bad happens to me, well, I trust that that might be used for good at some day too, right? Um, but to fear God and keep his commandments, what do we say? I mentioned something last time that I just kind of rushed through. It was like, oh, we're out of time, we're out of time. What does it mean to keep the commandments? Obey the law. To obey the law, okay. Is that it, or is it deeper than that, too? Oh, I'm sure it's deeper. Oh, I'm just, it's God's word. <laughs> yeah. What do y'all think? So, obeying, that certainly is part of it, for sure. Well, the relationship between us and God should be like father and son. Mm -hmm. Right. Did I mention the, the different kinds of fear? The fear mm -hmm. that a son or a child has for their father. And then there's a servile fear, which means fear of punishment, like a slave would have who's done something wrong and he doesn't, he doesn't want to be beaten, right? Um, and, and God gives us, all through the Bible, God gives us warning and advice that's not the law but it's something to follow and to live by because he's trying to keep us out of trouble just like a father does. You know, a lot of times the father will tell you not to do something because he knows the consequences are going to be grave and you go do it anyway and you get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, God's law. Well, okay, so one, one thing we have to keep in mind here with when you see uh, Solomon saying, fear God and keep his commandments the commandments or the law, right? In the Old Testament, it was understood as the Torah. Mm -hmm. And the Torah was not just do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. It was, Torah means instruction or teaching. So there's the aspect of the law that is part of it. But the Torah is the full counsel of God saying all the things that God lays forward before you, not just the law, but the gospel in the Old Testament was things like when he would deliver his people out of the land of slavery in Egypt, right? That was gospel. That was God delivering his people 
from the bondage of slavery. And we use that all the time to say he does the same thing with us by delivering us out of bondage to sin, right? So it's the full counsel of God. And so with that in mind, to keep the Torah, to keep the full instruction of God, means to guard it, right? To not just obey the law, which is certainly part of it, but to trust in God for what he has done for you, right? It's the fullness of it all. Uh, and that's why he says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all, right? This is, this is the full duty of mankind is to fear God. You know, that's fear God and trust in him for all that he has done, is doing, and will do for you in the future, right? That's why in the small catechism we read, you know, the explanation of the first commandment, you know, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods, right? What is, what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, right? But it's that fear, love, and trust, right? They all go together. And then, um, so, so you have this fear, love, and trust of, in God above all things that leads you into the good life, right? Ideally, that the Ten Commandments as the basis for God's life for you and what he wants to see you do, it's the best life <laughs> to, to steal a line from a famous preacher. It's your best life now. <laughs> Keep the law. Uh, literally, but the point is also that can we keep the law perfectly? No. No, we can't keep the law perfectly. That's well, why... What's that? Yeah, and all throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel kept drifting away and getting in trouble, and then when they turned back to God and and repented for what they did and everything else, God always delivered them either by destroying the oppressor or giving them land or taking care of them in numerous ways in just time ways. and time and time again. Right, right. Yeah, and when you say repent, it helps to understand, you know, because I struggled with this for a long time, like what does it mean to repent? Um, and from our, from our understanding of Scripture and the way it's interpreted in our Lutheran confessions, we understand that repentance has two parts. That it's sorrow for your sin, you're sorry for what you've done, and then faith that God will fulfill his promise to, to forgive you for that sin if you trust in him. Right? So trusting in him leads to the forgiveness of sins. Right? And I would, I would like to look at from the standpoint that, that, number one, you have to admit that you did wrong. Mm -hmm. And then be repentant. You know, because unless you admit you did wrong, it's, it doesn't do any good to repent. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more with our upcoming study on Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey by uh, Pastor Will Whedon. But we'll get into more announcements about that in a minute, about how we're going to roll this out. Uh, because you're right, confession is important as a Christian. You need to confess your sins before God. But you can't confess them all. Of course not. Sure you can. I mean, 
24 hours. Right. You can't convince them all. You're right. And and you that's can in a way. Yeah, well, here's the thing. You can in a way, but you. You can't we see it every them all. second of every day, that's right. and we don't even know we're doing that's it. Right. Well, that's why at night or whenever you pray that God forgive me for all my sins that yeah. I've done right. and that I've left undone. That's right. And, and that's what I do, but to name each oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Who brought up naming sins? I don't know. <laughs> the Catholics. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do. They then, they say yeah about forgiven. I know how you get forgiven. You say. 17 Holy Marys and 15 Our Fathers and go through the rosary and, you know, I mean, and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. The thing is, the, the, thing, the thing that we believe as Lutherans that we tried to purify from the Roman church, because there were a lot of errors that came into play, in our small catechism, we actually have the, that it's good to uphold Confession, but confession should never be by itself. It always is with the absolution, the forgiveness of sins spoken by the pastor, right? But the thing is, is that if you look in our, uh, in the hymnal, we actually have a form of private confession and absolution. And that is not just so you can check off, you know, the box saying, well, went to confession this week and I'm good to go with God. The point is, is that in... in it should be, and, and, and you know, I'd like to kind of encourage people more and more to utilize it as, as an opportunity to get things off your chest. Right? If there's something bothering you that you've done or you've left undone, it should be, in some sense, it should be enough just to be able to pray to God and say, Lord, have mercy on me and forgive me of this sin. But the devil likes to hold on to these things and throw them back in your face. And sometimes you need to hear with your ears from your pastor, you have been forgiven, right? So it's for your comfort. These, these things are for your good, not so you can just check the boxes and say, oh, went to, went to confession, got my groceries, picked up coffee, and that sort of thing. The point is, is that it's for the soothing of your troubled conscience. That's the point. Because that's a good bit of phrase. Of yeah, because as Christians now, okay, so Satan comes at us, right? And Satan comes at us on a certain battlefield. And that battlefield for us as Christians is the battlefield um, of our consciences. He tries to make us feel guilty. Or he tries to make us feel proud, right? He tries to make us feel certain things that would say either, I'm too much of a wretch that God forgot to ever love me. Or, I think I'm doing pretty good, so we'll see you later, God. Yeah, when right? I did the so-and-so, they deserved it. Yeah, that, that too, right? Yeah. What I did was justice, you know. Even though it's wrong even though it's wrong, right? So you have these, these times where Satan is going to come at you and either afflict or entice your conscience into sin. <coughs> and so that's why we have this, this uh, practice that has fallen, out of, has fallen out of practice, sadly, 
uh, in the Lutheran Church that there is the option of private confession absolution so that you can say, Pastor, I've, I just have something weighing on me. And, and we have a form for it, but in that form, there's a little spot there that says, you, you, have, you say certain things, right? You say the, the general confession like we do on Sundays, but then there's a little red rubric there that says, and now, is, now here's the opportunity for you to express any specific sins. Not trying to name all of your sins because it's impossible, but specific sins that are weighing on your conscience. Get them out. Get them out and, be, and, and, and have them be spoken so that you can have the pastor speak against them and say they're forgiven. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this was interesting. Diane's dad told us once that uh, there were members of Trinity where Pastor Wittinghausen was the pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, the man of the family, he would go on Saturday evenings and confess for the family. For the family. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, we did too. That's the way they didn't bishop when we first got married. You know, so so he would go, and you know he didn't tell us what he confessed. But he said, you know, they, he would confess to the pastor the sins, you know, that you did it on behalf of your. Or really, it was it was also announcing for communion. Right. Yes, it was and announcing that, that the was, whole family was going to be having communion. That was the reason for doing it, so that yeah. it could be. This was back in the 40s and 50s. Okay, so was that the family went and confessed to the dad, and then the dad went to the pastor, or what? I mean, I I've never heard. I think it was. Just, I've never heard that, that 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 he would confess for the family, but maybe just that he would announce the family would be taking communion. Yes. Yeah, and maybe. Well, but as, as the head of the household, he has the right and the obligation to confess for the family because he's ultimately responsible. Well, he can he can confess his own short shortcomings, but anybody else's sin that's weighing on them, they need to do that themselves. I would say. I know. Uh, you know. But he, yeah, but he can still ask for forgiveness for his family. He can, but I don't know. I, that's a that's that's kind of a tricky situation because, um, in some ways, wouldn't that wouldn't that lend the uh, wouldn't that lead to, you know, you saying to your kids, by the way, don't bother about talking to the pastor about you stealing that piece of candy. I've already taken care of it for you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so, I've never heard of a head of a household confessing for the entire household, but really just to announce that the household was coming for communion. If that was a practice, that's really the first I've ever heard of it. Um, and I'd have to think about Think about it, because I've never thought about it before, honestly. Um, but I think is, is that what they did in Bishop was just announce that they're coming to. But the pastor would also ask them if there's anything weighing right. heavy on them. Sure, and so and so the pastor can ask the head of the household, "Is there something that you would like to confess?" Right. And they can go from there. But and Karen and I, right after we got married, Pastor Schreiner, every Saturday afternoon, you'd make an appointment to go confess your sins and announce for communion.
and it was combined, but we went together, never individually. Yeah, well, that's 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 something that's been interesting about the practices of the Lutheran Church that um, private confession and absolution was always uh, preferable to the public confession and absolution in the church service because it gave you an opportunity to talk to your pastor. It gave the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one pastoral counseling for the pastor to ask, is there something weighing on you? Is there something that we can talk about? Is there something that you need to just hear God's absolution for? Um, and nowadays it's fallen out of favor or it's just fallen out of practice. Not necessarily out of favor. I don't want to say that, but it's kind of fallen out of practice. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to see it come back, but you're kind of seeing different churches trying different things. Some don't worry about it at all. Others are trying to bring it back in some ways. So I've seen other, I've seen churches have it where, you know, Thursday afternoon, there will be a specific time the pastor is going to be in the sanctuary sitting by the rail. And so he's not going to face you and stare you down and say, what do you have to confess, Tim? You know, he's going to sit there and he's going to sit here and he'll move a chair in the chancel by the rail for you to kneel. He'll have like a hymnal there ready to go. And the pastor sits with his, with not facing you, but having your ear towards you. So because he's supposed to be the ear of God to hear your confession. So that then, when you're kneeling and you're at, and you're asking for, um, you're asking for forgiveness, then he turns and he places his head, his his hands on you and says, "In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, go in peace, that sort of thing." Well, and sometimes we need the personal. Reassurance, you do. rather than the public. You really do. Reassurance of forgiveness. You really do, and it's not, and and it, it makes some people really uncomfortable because they feel put on the spot, that they have to say something specific, they have to get something off their chest, or you know, and we as pastors ought to do everything that we can to say this isn't supposed to be torture. <laughs> this is not supposed to be something where you're even sort of making something up to have something to say, right? But if if that like that's 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 the main point in that rubric. It says if there is something, then now's the time to say it. What rubric? A rubric. So in the hymnal, there there are you know there's a saying. Um, speak the black, do the red. So in the hymnal, there are black letters that you speak and then the red letters are the ones that say things that you're supposed to do right so sit stand you know um whatever and in the hymnal there's a rubric that says you know if you have something specifically to confess and get off of your conscience now is the time to do so write that down because i want to see that in the print i'll show you here look so a rubric yeah, what in the world is that? A rubric it basically is... basically is just, an, it just means instruction. It's just a direction. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, so a rubric would be like, you know, sit, stand, oh, that okay. sort of thing. 
Yeah, so that's why we say, speak the black, do the red. <laughs> that was something when I first became a pastor, my, my, my vicarage supervisor, I told him, I was like, I was like I'm just so nervous, I'm nervous. And he, and he just said, speak the black, do the red. That's all you want. <laughs> that's why it's red. That's right. Catches your eye. Um, let me see here. Well, we got off the topic on Ecclesiastes, but that's okay. That's why I said Ecclesiastes, clean up and ask the pastor. So. Well, but not really, because that's what Solomon's pointing to all through Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is that the relationship between you and God mm -hmm. should be as a father and the son, and you should confess to God, and you should ask for God's forgiveness and ask God for anything you need. So, I mean... In a thumbnail, thumb, I mean, in a thumbnail description, to me, that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. Yeah, your relationship to God. Mm -hmm. Understanding, yeah, your place before God, for sure. For sure. Um, that's why it says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Um, and for us as Christians, when we read something like judgment... Because our consciences, because our consciences ought to be clean, because we trust in God's grace, judgment is not a bad word. Judgment for us as Christians means means vindication, right? That's why Christians live longer than non-Christians. <laughs> I don't know about that. It depends on what time you talk to I mean, I mean, you can go to all the statistics and everything else, and people that are active in church and are firm in their faith typically live longer than people that don't. Maybe typically, but that's not true. Well, it's also... Well, there's always exceptions to every generality. There's, there's exceptions to every rule, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I would imagine it would have to do with the fact that non-Christians probably on a lot of times fall more prey to despair mm -hmm. that's and right. they hold a lot more stress. Yeah. That's exactly that's right. Too. You hit the point. You hit the that's not to head. say that Christians don't deal with their fair share, of course, but you're right. I think that Yeah, but uh, we have a place to go. <laughs> a non believer doesn't That's true. Well you know it's funny, you know, all during the pandemic there is all this question as to whether or not church is essential, right? Uh, what is an essential service? Um, Everybody wanted to say DoorDash and, you know, meal, meal delivery, Amazon, hospitals, all this stuff like that. But they were treating the church like it was basically non-essential. Uh, unless you were somewhere like Texas, thankfully, they never shut us down. They just said, you know, please follow these guidelines, you know, that sort of thing, for, for the safety of your people, because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But in a lot of places, they shut churches down. And now after the fact, I mean, the pandemic is still, it, I think it's getting towards its last legs here, hopefully. Um, but when it was really, really getting bad, like towards, towards the end of last year, they did a poll. And they found, they asked people, what has been your general mood? What has been your general outlook on life? How's your mental health, basically, right? And they would answer the questions, and then they'd ask, do you go to church? You know, and how often, and this, that, and the other. The people who went to church during the pandemic wound up having 
a much better view of life and much healthier perspective on things than those who didn't. You know, and that's the sad reality of, of, of things that, you know, church and worship and hearing the word of God, it ought to be soothing to troubled consciences, right? Yeah. And it ought to be there for those who are in the midst of sorrows and saying, Lord, have mercy. And then ideally having a pastor on the other end saying, he has had mercy on you, right? Um, so yeah, it's, it, it takes a toll. Life, life, life without a pandemic takes a toll, you know? That's um, why it's a sin to worry. Yeah. It's a sin to worry. What is it? Uh, anxiety. Um, where did you hear that, honey? It was Pastor Whedon on one of his podcasts. Oh, so it was Pastor Whedon, the guy who wrote the book that we're going to be reading soon. He said, <laughs> I'm throwing advertisements out there all the time. He said, what did he say? He said, he said, anxiety is nothing but the fear that God's not going to do what we want him to. That's right. Yeah, so anxiety is nothing but the fear that God's not going to do what you want him to do. Right? So I want God to do something for me, and oh, I really hope it doesn't. If it doesn't, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? But then you think, well, he's going to do what needs to be done, and it'll be okay. Right? Just wait on his to hear her say that's right. good graces. Yeah, She says it all the time. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you're right, Dad, you're right. Um, uh, any any thoughts on this? Any any parts of Ecclesiastes that just kind of like ringing in your mind? You really want to just get out there or talk about or ask a question about? Kind of a big question, but yeah. If there was something that really caught your mind or caught your eye or. I guess I'll ask this question. The apply section on that last page we got. How has the study of Ecclesiastes been a help to your life? If y'all want to share. Life is very short, so we should enjoy. And even if we're in a, a situation where it's not all that good, we should um, give thanks to God for the things that we do have. And death comes for good and bad people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a good, good thought. That's a really good thought. I mean, it's not so good of a thought if you're someone who's wicked. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's a very good thought. Um, yeah, be thankful for what you have. Give thanks to God for those things. In some ways, if things are bad, realize that they could be worse. <laughs> uh, well, and realize that God's going to carry you through the bad times, too. Mm -hmm. I think verse 13 kind of sums it all up. 12, 13. Chapter 12, verse 13. Uh-huh. To me, it sums it all up. It sums it all up. I mean, At least it's, to me, it does. Sure. Well, I mean, it summed it all up for Solomon, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. And he was 
the wisest man that ever lived, you know, except apart from Christ. Um, so yeah, he knew what he was talking about. Sum it all up. He's talking about life is short and death is long. <laughs> death is eternal, you know. Well, unless unless you're in Christ. True. Right. Um, then you live forever. Any other thoughts on these proverbs that he says throughout Ecclesiastes? Maybe. Does it make you realize, I guess, Solomon being the wisest man that ever lived, uh, you know, aside from Jesus, when he writes these things and you go back and you read them, I hope you'll find that there is always something new to glean from what he's saying, right? That wisdom is a never-ending pursuit, um, and that's not to be daunting, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, you'll never know enough, so why even bother? Because <laughs> then nobody would come to Bible study, and I'd be very sad. Um, but you see here that that um, that the more we go through life and experience being a certain kind of teacher often a very cruel teacher. When we go to God's Word with what experiences we have, it often takes on a different light, right? It often takes on a different character in some ways, depending on where we are in life. So it should be, it should be some encouragement. Um, it should be some encouragement to say, you know, well, I, it, God's Word has truth. It has the truth. And I'm going to keep diving into it. I'm going to keep seeing what else God has to say to me. I'm going to keep seeing how God can carry me through these things because when we believe that God will carry us through hardships, He typically says, I'm going to do that because of what you know about me. And how do you know about me? by hearing and reading and studying my word, by um, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting <laughs> the word of God, right? Um, so, I hope at the very least, Ecclesiastes would also be an encouragement to you to continue to pursue wisdom, but pursue it through God's word. Because if it is God's word, which we hold that it is, we should be reading it as often as we can, right? Not as a burden, but as a joy to say, what is it that you want to tell me today, God? How can I, how can I read the Psalms? Or how can I read the Proverbs? How can I read what Jesus has to say and have it be different for me today because of what happened yesterday, right? And how can it, and how can it prepare me for tomorrow, right? So at the very least, hopefully it's done that for you. But I don't know why he has in verse, chapter 10, verse 19, and money answers everything. 
Money answers everything. Well, I guess it depends on what the answer is, right? <laughs> Sometimes that answer is good or bad. Yeah, I agree with the first two parts. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. <laughs> that one needs to be delved into. Yeah? <laughs> Well, I don't know if it goes into 20. Well, curse not the king and curse not the rich. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I mean, the funny thing about Ecclesiastes and any wisdom literature is that you realize how limited your study notes are in your Bible. <laughs> you read the Bible. Because this is what my study notes say for verse 19, right? Uh, bread, you know, uh, let me see. So, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life. The note on that is, um, what sustains life is meant to be enjoyed. A caution against excess should not cause a person to forsake any and all pleasures of life. Okay, I guess, I guess that's something to be gleaned from it, but there's obviously more there. But then, you know, money answers everything, and the note is, the preacher has already indicated that money is not the final solution for all things. Chapter 5. Yet money can provide relief from certain problems. So like protection, chapter 7. But so money, I mean, money is just a medium of exchange. That's true. I mean, it's only a... It's only as valid or as valuable as the issuer. Right. It, it's a people solution. People solution? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. that's the people's answer to the solution. Oh, okay. I mean, to me... Ecclesiastics, you know, everything's been said and done under the sun. To me, that's saying people have done it all. Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't come up with the answer. That's right. It's over here. Right. Yeah, that, you know, God. money, that's, I guess that's why I said, but money answers everything. Depends on, I mean, you can have, you can throw money at anything. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be good. Well, right? He's not that. saying that money money always answers rightly. That's not what he's saying, right? Money answers everything. Like you can you can pour money into anything, but it's not going to make all the difference all the time, right? Sometimes money's not the answer. Well, and ultimately, it's going to be worthless. Right. In the end, it's going to be it's going to be uh, dust, like everything else, right? Okay, cheery note. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts about Ecclesiastes? Well, I gave y'all another little handout here, uh, and we can go through it if y'all want, but or you can just kind of hold on to it. It's the seven, seven counsels of enjoyment in Ecclesiastes. 
This is written out by uh, Dr. Kleinig, uh, who we've we've read Grace Upon Grace, and uh, he did the Hebrews commentary that I use for our Hebrews Bible study. He's an Australian Lutheran. A delightful person. A very nice man. Very, very nice man. Um, and uh, so he's, we can go through this if y'all want, or you can just use it for your own personal study or understanding, but there's seven councils of enjoyment that he, that he points out here. Um, you know, but it's all under the sun. I guess it's all to help, help remind you to be thankful for what you have, to, un to understand how God has even placed certain things in your life so that you can achieve enjoyment, right? Uh, be happy with the work of your hands. So, uh, we can go through that, or you can have some time to ask the pastor something that's on your mind. What do y'all want to do? This is kind of an open forum right now. I'll give you a minute to think about it, for sure. So I should have asked y'all on Sunday, say, hey, come with questions. Come ready to talk about it. I think you did. Oh, did I? Uh -huh. Oh, so then y'all don't have an but excuse. I haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. That's, that's okay. Any sort of question? Any question that a pastor ought to be able to answer. I'd like to tell a story. Tell a story? Instead of answering your questions, I can talk just to you, Lori. Okay. <laughs> Got your attention. When I was a little girl, we were in the Depression, mm -hmm. and I lived on a farm, and due to family circumstances that were okay, my mother lived in Seattle, and I lived at Battleground, which is southern Washington. And our nearest neighbors were, of course, just quarter of a mile away or a little ways away from us. And they had an, an older daughter and an older son. Well, the older daughter and I was, we were friends, but she was, she was older. She had knowledge, you know. Some way or another, uh, I got with, she asked me, I guess, I don't know how I got there. They would go to the meetings of the people's houses and and have a meeting, a, a religious type meeting, at the house, and then we go home. And I used to, I used to have my little child's sins, you know, and I could hardly wait till I could get to Marjorie because. I told Margie I had this thing, I had done this, and that was heavy on me, because I had sinned, you know. So she spoke words much like this, forgive your sins in the name of the Father and the Son. I, f I forgive you, which gave me great relief, and I could go on then. Because Mother was clear in Seattle, and I couldn't tell her, you know, and I wasn't that close to my father to tell him. So I told Marjorie. So that's the way I got through a year or two. Mm. <laughs> or more than a year or two. 
until Mother got down there and said, I don't want you to go there anymore. Because I would be terrified. You know, and there's worse that comfort of the mother or father hanging on to you. Yeah. It's an interesting oh, story. I don't know what I'm doing this for. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's my story. Well, I'm glad. And you're sticking to it. Yeah. Right. I'm glad I'm glad that she was there to speak God's grace to you. That was a good thing. That was a good thing that she was there to say, you know, that your sins are forgiven. So I'm glad that she was able to do that for you and not have it weigh so heavy on you when God when God wants you to know his grace. Yeah. Right? That's a good thing. I'm glad. Well, I sure went through a lot of uh, pain waiting for Margie to forgive me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for that for that word of word of grace and mercy. Yeah, you know, I, I, in some ways, it's going to sound kind of funny, but that's, that's, that, that, that's kind of a gift from God, that you would be so weighed down by your sin that you just can't help but ask for that grace, and He can't help but give it to you, right? Yeah. That's a gift, I, and, and it doesn't make sense to people who aren't Christian, I guess, or people who don't understand what it means to know God's grace, but, you know, you have to have that, that aspect of things where you hear God's word saying, you know, you've sinned, and you have no excuse saying, Lord, you're right, I did, what do I do? And then he says, it's been done for you, Jesus forgives you, Jesus has died for you, he loves you. And he wants you to know that you've been forgiven, right? And that is the beautiful dance that we do as Christians with God. Um, no, I don't mean to say that sin is beautiful, right? But the fact that we would be understanding of our place before God and saying, Lord, you're the only one who can help me. You're the only one who can forgive sins. And I trust in you. And he says, that's a good thing, because uh, you're right, I am the only one who can forgive sins, and I forgive your sins. Right? And in, in that situation, you know, in a lot of the farming communities, there were no churches around. Right. So you couldn't go to church. Right. And so community fellowship was the only thing you had. Yeah. And right. the reassurance from individual to individual you know, and until you until your faith is such that you know that you can ask God for for, yeah. for forgiveness and be assured that He's forgiven you, you know, for a child for somebody else to tell you that you're forgiven, I mean, what more could you ask for? Right. It's a good thing. Well, well that's that, story. You know, Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. To me, that is a gift of God. You know, He put her there to reassure you that your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We can talk about something else if you want. It's okay. No, that's fine. Um, no, thank you very much for sharing that because that's I, I'm not sure that a lot of people think. And maybe that shows that there's um, maybe maybe kids, children, um, 
have these questions that really weighed me down. Mm-hmm. Uh, golly darn. Yeah, kids, kids <laughs> are... Uh, you did good. <laughs> kids, are, kids are more... Kids are smarter than I think a lot of people give them credit for. And kids see things that a lot of people don't realize that they see. I mean, you hear... Well, even Christ. Mm-hmm. Even Christ said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Mm-hmm. For such is the kingdom of God. He wants little kids to come to him. And, and talks, how else are they going to come to him except through other people? And it talks about having faith like a child. I mean, when you heard that you were forgiven, you said you felt better and soothed. You, you took that and said, I've been forgiven. And adults will look at that very often times and go, no, I can't be. Yeah. It's impossible. We look a little skeptical at things like and that. And I think in a lot of ways, like children understand that reality so much better, that we are forgiven. And But they also, on the other hand... I mean, their sins are not like adult sins, usually, but they they understand that right and wrong aspect, and they don't necessarily try and go around it as hard as the adults. Yeah. So I can imagine that the, the fear would be much greater, but the mercy would also be much greater, because the understanding is better in some ways. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem with getting old. You get, the older you get, the more skeptical you get. <laughs> well, the more jaded you get, jaded, right? Yeah. Sure. When you're a little kid, you're you're trusting and believing, and yeah. And then the older you get, the more skeptical you, skeptical you get about everything. Yeah, you you kind of get dulled, mm-hmm. right? Things get more dull. Things don't. Things things aren't as bright as they used to be. Things don't. Things don't smell as nice as they used to, or taste as good as they used to, or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like you, 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 you remember your first bite of your favorite dish, right? It's like, oh, that was so good. And then over years and years, it's like, yeah, it's still good, but yeah. I have other tastes now. <laughs> I mean, sin, sin has a way of dulling us, but kids have a way of reminding us what it is to really believe. Yeah. Um, and we ought not squander that with kids, you know. Try and nurture it. What a lie detector test. You know, I've always thought I don't think I could ever pass one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're well, I mean, <laughs> if you're trying to lie, right? Yeah. No, because because like a kid would take a dollar out of his mom's purse. You know, that's a that would hang heavy on that little kid. And I mean, it wasn't robbery, but if they were to take a lie detector test, saying, "Did you ever steal?" You know, "Did you ever commit a robbery?" No, but. They would fail the test because yeah, they did when they right. took a dollar out of their mom. They'd be really nervous. Yeah, we. You'd be exactly nervous. You'd yeah. feel guilt, and and that's what I mean. It's you think back to that way. Well, back. you know, sometimes Christian, well, yeah, I did Christians something. know they're sinners and they've sinned. So how can you say no? I I didn't do that. I'm not a not a sinner. That's what a lie detector almost said. Right. Like, I've always thought the same thing too. It was like I uh, worked at UPS and if they gave me a lie detector test and said, Did you ever steal anything? Well I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I had 
five pins in my car. Did, you, <laughs> did I steal them? Right. Did I? Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always thought. <laughs> yeah, how guilty am I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, y'all would have passed. <laughs> well, you know, the, and, and I, I can appreciate having a sensitive conscience like that because we're, we're called to have sharpened consciences like that, you know? We're called to not think lightly of sin, but we're also called to trust that that sin has been forgiven. So that you can say, have you ever stolen anything? Well, you know, on some level you can say, well, yeah, but I'm forgiven of that. <laughs> and I gave it back, right? Or something like that, right? I made, I made good on that or something. I had um, to take one, and I passed it. You took a lie detector test? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All Christians should pass life detector. <laughs> should be honest, yeah. I mean, you can answer all of them. No, I haven't done that. I happened to work in the bank at Easter time. Well, I worked at a bank. This isn't confession and absolution time, just so you know. I'm just, I'm just making that clear. <laughs> I'm not asking you to confess your sins right now. It's okay. Go ahead. It was kind of funny. Yeah, go ahead. It was... <laughs> some of us dressed up in a bunny suit, put up. <laughs> and I worked in the drive-in, and I went out there to kind of bring my joy to everybody. I love dressing up like that. <laughs> you can do things and nobody thinks anything of it. But anyway, <clears throat> it so happened that the teller, one of the tellers was out like, $1,500 or something like that. So I had to go have a lie detector test taken. Wow. And I was found innocent. <laughs> because you were, right? I yes, sure right. That's right. Did they ever find the money? I don't know. That was too long ago. I don't remember. <laughs> well. Well, you know, I'll leave it open for questions, but I also wanted to get, you know, I was going to make today a little bit shorter, too, so that we didn't go the full hour and a half kind of thing, uh, because this is all just kind of loose form. But I would like to say, uh, I looked at the calendar, I mean, okay, so, I'll say this so I can give an announcement about what we're doing next, what I'm thinking about next, and if you think of something you want to ask about before we close... We can discuss it at the end, okay? So, what I'm thinking about doing is, right now, picking a new Bible study in the middle of Lent is a little tough, because then we have Holy Week, which we're not going to have a Bible study during Holy Week. I'd rather have you all take the time and come to um, Maundy Thursday and... uh, Good Friday services, and then Easter Sunday, right? Um, and ideally, I'd like you to come to the midweeks, too. Um, but, so, so what I'm thinking of is that on the calendar, there are two weeks for us to kind of just do like a short topical study. And then after Easter, I would like to go through thank, praise, serve, and obey, and use it as an opportunity for us to also supplement some understanding from the small catechism. So I will have, I will get everything ready 
to say, you know, this week we're going to be doing chapter one, and also read this portion from the small catechism, and we'll come and discuss the small catechism, and then we'll discuss chapter one. So basically it's a, a, a refresher on basic Lutheran beliefs then? Yeah, so what I'd like to do from here on out, and, we, and this will be kind of a test case, I guess you could say, is to have regularly scheduled uh, classes, like a book study or a topical study, that I would have um, as an opportunity calling it you know, Christian wisdom classes. That we would review the small catechism and what we believe from the small catechism and God's word, of course, and what the small catechism says about it. And um, also do a study on a book and have that be possible, you know, a refresher course on Lutheranism and, um, uh, you know, anybody who would want to become uh, a member after that class, then you could say, I think I might want to join or something. So have something in the spring and in the fall, specific focused studies like this. Because what this book does actually covers a lot of things that the small catechism has. And, and just, just, just to give you a brief introduction to get you excited about it, maybe a little bit. Uh, it's called Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, Recover the Joys of Piety. Uh, and piety, which Pastor Whedon gets into, is not to be confused with pietism, which y'all probably heard, you know, oh, it's such a pietist, right? He goes into the differences, but piety basically means godliness or living a Christian life, right? And he goes through eight different um, habits that he wishes to share with us about being a Christian. So godly habits like faithful, faithful listening to the word of God, daily prayers, um, frequent and faithful reception of Holy Communion, confession of sins and absolution, sacrificial giving, confessing Christ, watching for the good works God has prepared for us to do, and remembering death and the day of judgment. And they're pretty short chapters. Uh, this book is only like about 170-something pages. Uh, we do like a chapter a week. And it's not super dense pages. No, super... It's, it's really simple and straightforward. He has a really good way of really just getting to the point and saying... Uh, saying what um, the fact of the matter is. So I think it's going to be a good, a good class. And CPH also has uh, something called the faith, faith courses. So. so we won't stream this. Uh, but at the end of each chapter, there are discussion questions. It's perfect for a study for a group. And they have, as CPH has a faith courses where I'll wheel in the TV and we'll actually watch Pastor. Uh, we'll actually watch Pastor Whedon talk about some of these things. Given, give, give a good. Um, excuse me. Give a good introduction. Maybe give us some more things to think about on top of what's in the book, and then we'll just discuss, right? And what I'd like to do is have it on Tuesday mornings and open it up for. Wednesday evenings for those who can't come on Tuesdays to come and join as, as well. Because, you know, we have some people in church who work and can't make it for Tuesday morning, so their schedule doesn't allow for it. So, yeah. So do we 
look, so look for this book or are they going to be here i've home? already purchased the books through the church so they're coming uh awesome. they're on their way and we will be i'm going to try to have it where we're also going to say you know read chapter one and read so many pages out of the small catechism and it's going to be from the new the newer catechism from uh, CPH. So if you don't have one, if you don't have one, let me know. Uh, we'll get you one. You don't have one? You don't have the old one? No. Well, we'll put it in order for you. What I, they have these. Those are nice. These are very nice. They have these. It's, it's the hardcover. But they also have spiral bound ones that have wide margins for notes. Those are nice. I Those are nice those. too. So... I'll talk to y'all later about which ones y'all would like to have. Can, Either I can way. I bring in the spiral bound ones so they can see it at least. Okay. Either way, we're going to be going through those. We'll be um, having a good discussion and hopefully a lot will come out of it. Did you ever get my text <laughs> about Donald, Donna Pyle? She has some very good Bible studies. I don't think I got that text. When I sent it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I didn't anyway, get it. Anyway, Donna Powell is uh, well known in LWML, uh -huh. and she has some wonderful, I mean, like it may be four lessons or something like okay. that. But they're very good. They're not limited to women, they're not towards women or anything like that. Okay. But it's a good Bible study. Okay. Very good. Okay. I'll also look into it. I, I, I have a few that I have on hand that I was going to throw out for y'all already to see what y'all would like to do in the next, over the next two weeks. Um, but I'll, I'll hold, I'll, I'll make a, a note about Donna Pyle yeah, for later. Because I think I saw her on, I saw, I saw her on the CPH website. Yeah. Um, but a few choices for Bible study. At least for these next two weeks. These next two weeks to kind of hold us over until Easter, and then we start thank, praise, serve, and obey. That's a good idea. Uh, you know, instead of just diving into it right now, um, I have a few things. I I was just trying to find something, and and there's a study that I know about um, called Knowing God. And it's a study on First John. Uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, I can put them up on the board, too. How about that? So there's either a Bible study on... Um... Yes, ma'am? What am I doing? <laughs> Not that kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> Knowing God, <clears throat> focusing on uh, 1 John... Three, ten through four, six. Okay, so it's how do we know God? I think during that time, uh, it's it's about uh, the Gnostic heresy and how people think that they can know God only with their mind. And John speaks against that, saying it's not just about knowledge; it's about other things as well. Right. So there's knowing God. Um, there's one called Our Heavenly Calling. And it's on vocation. 
Okay, so Christian vocation. And then the next one is uh, saints and angels. So which, which one of those three would y'all be most interested in? Saints and angels. What, saints yeah, and angels? That's me. <laughs> that would, that would cover, that would cover two weeks. <laughs> no, I'm interested in that because, yeah. you know, these are saints and angels. Well, I don't know about angels, but saints. Well, we can, it, it's about the distinction between the two. So the first week we'll say, what are saints? Second week we'll say, what are angels? So I got I got a vote for saints and angels. What do y'all think about the other two? Or y'all do y'all like that idea? I fit right in. You like saints and angels? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. No one wants to know about Christian vocation. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, we can always do it later. We're well, <laughs> vocation. I don't know. We're gonna look in the small catechism and find that you know, as long as you're alive, you've got a vocation to fulfill for sure. Um, so no one really wants to know God. <laughs> Are you still recording this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, we could do knowing God some other time too, for sure. Um, it's it's actually really interesting, but. Uh, so everybody, I don't, now if, if somebody really wants to do something else, you got to let me know. Unless you think saints and angels is really what y'all want to do. Saints and angels? There's lots of votes for that. Going, going once, going twice. There we go. All right, we're doing saints and angels then. Um, so okay, and, and this, this will give me some time to uh, prepare things for a thank, praise, serve, and obey. And give the books time to get here, give the small catechisms time to get here. Uh, for different people. So when will that start up? That will start up um, after Easter. After Easter, I'm just going to say that right now. I'll give you a definite date because we're actually planning on taking a little time off after Easter. Uh, so we why might. For heaven's sake. What's that? I said, why for heaven's sake? Right, because I only work one day a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, we just, just we just know that there are those, but <laughs> what's that? Yeah, yeah, we're we're just gonna take a little bit of time off instead of taking time in the summer, uh, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, spring and fall are better. Yeah, summertime all. So with that, I will say as a bit of announcements, and we're still streaming or still on here. So this is announcements for anybody who's still watching or listening. That uh, so we're having a new topic coming up. Saints and Angels for the next two weeks. After Easter, we'll go through Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, the new book. And then, um, until then, though, we are in Lent, and we have Lenten midweek services, uh, where we are discussing, well, not discussing, you're hearing me preach about baptism. And this week is um, the question, how can water do such great things? So I would hope that be that that will be a little bit of an enticement to come and find out how can water do such great things in holy baptism. That's at noon. That's at twelve fifteen, and at seven p.m. on Wednesday. Um, and then as and we they go, go about 
they go roughly 45 minutes. We're doing a different service too. We were doing Vespers. Now we're doing the service of prayer and preaching. So, um, I like that. Do you like that? Okay. Yeah, the Magnificat so, at the end of Vespers, it, it can be a little challenging if you don't know how to sing it. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have switched things around a little bit to where um, it's a little bit more accessible. Um, and they're still singing, there's still joy to be had. But it is, it is catechetical, and I love saying that word because it sounds kind of neat. It is catechetical, meaning that it is about teaching the faith. So we will be uh, looking at baptism through the lens of God's word for sure. Okay? So what, any any what's questions? What's the problem if you bring the old 1941 catechism? Well, the problem will be that I'll say you need to read pages 45 to 53, and they won't be there. Well, that's good. <laughs> Save you some reading, right? The, the new catechism also addresses some more updated questions with regards to yeah. kind of... Right. You know what, Tim? We can bring both of them. I don't, the wording's not as nice. Uh -huh. Bring, I'll bring, I'll bring, bring both of them and yeah. see the differences. I think that'd be interesting. Because you um, probably have the, the old one now. I like, I like the, I mean... I like the older style language for sure, but the new one does answer some pertinent questions for today that weren't an issue back then. Um, anyways, all right, well, if nobody has any questions, comments, I guess we will then close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.